it's Renee, host of the Looks Creepy Cool podcast, a variety show covering horror, thriller, and fantasy. Join me for revealing conversations with talented women and culturally diverse people, including filmmakers, game developers, illustrators, authors, and more. I'm on a mission to bring to light underrepresented voices, all the while entertaining you with the creepiest content. I'll cover true crime cases, hauntings, and hold special immersive storytelling events of terrifying original horror tales. Because if it looks creepy, it must be cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hello, everyone. I am super, super, super excited. I know you hear the super in my voice and excitement to be with Jenny Allen. Uh, She's the author of the Lilith Adams series and is an award winning artist and photographer. And we'll get to the artistry in a minute because um, I will talk to you guys about later in the interview, but she makes some killer uh, vampire hunting kits. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, She also, the first book in the series is Blood Lily, which won honorable mention in the 2022 San Francisco Book Festival and was a finalist in the Chanticleer International Book Awards. I want to give a warm, creepy, cool welcome to Jenny Allen. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, guys. um, I read Blood Lily and I love everything about vampires, but the coolest thing about Blood Lily and Lily herself is that she's not your typical Hollywood vampire. And I love how Jenny, you know, integrates the forensics aspect to it. So Jenny, why don't you just give everyone an overview of your book, your series, and then we'll just chat from there. Sure, sure. Um, So I have always loved the supernatural and vampires in uh, general. Um, But there's been so many different ways they've been portrayed throughout um, media. And um, I wanted to take a different approach with it. I wanted something realistic where you kind of forget that they're not human um, and really like dig into the psyche that would occur with with vampires in general if they had long lives. Uh, So that's what a lot of the bubbly centers on the first book. Um, It's just getting to know the characters in the world that they're in. Um, I kept things as realistic as possible. I based um, my vampires off of a real blood disorder called thalassemia. Um, And half bloods, my half blood cases are, you know, the kind of the thalassemia severe cases that slip through the cracks. Um, And then you blood transfusions once a month. So, um, I just wanted to take a more scientific approach to them and, uh, explore their humanity, so to speak. Wow. No, that's interesting. And why don't you tell everyone like your background too, because you're not just an author and artist, like you're also a registered nurse too, correct? Correct. Yes. I do work full time. Um, I work as a RN in a step down from ICU unit. Um, so really sick patients. Um, did awesome in college, especially anatomy and physiology and microbiology. Um, I dabbled in forensics classes as well because I've always had a soft spot for that. Ever since the original CSI came out, I was hooked. Um, (laughs) And uh, beyond that, I I loved world mythologies and 
kind of like the um, original roots of things, especially vampires and zombies and things of that nature. And I wanted to kind of get back to like the original roots and uh, reinvent them in a way. Wow. So how is your, I mean, I'm just like amazed because, you know, I worked with a lot of authors before when I, when I worked in publishing and like, I always love to hear their, their writing style or just like what gets you in the mood to like, you know, sit down or stand up or what have you and like write like these great books. Because even when I was reading Blood Lily, guys, it literally reads like a movie. Like I forgot Lily was a vampire until there's a certain scene where she's heating up her blood in the microwave. It's like, oh, that's right. She is a vampire. Like, it's just <laughs> so awesome. So it's like, how, like, what's your writing process in terms of with the forensics and the world building? Because it is so time consuming, but at the same time, you have so much other stuff going on. So how do you balance everything? I don't sleep much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you're not a vampire, so you're not having nightmares about vampires. So no, cross that off no nightmares about vampires. <laughs> I have varying moods, I guess. There's sometimes when I just need to make something, and that's, you know, usually when I do my art projects and things like that. But um, my characters are very real to me. Uh, I get kind of this melancholy when I finish a book because it's like I've lost my friends. I'm not talking to them right now and I don't like it. <laughs> so um, really my writing comes from just my own need for therapy. And it sounds awful. <laughs> no, it's, it's amazing. I mean, particularly the therapy into vampires and like yeah. you know, supernatural, which is so cool. So yeah, I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been um, a therapeutic journey for me, for sure. Um, I got to speak at AuthorCon this year um, on a panel on the psychology of horror, and it was the most fantastic thing ever. And um, I got to explain how my process and everything, when I write, um, a lot of my own experiences wind up in the story, and I don't intend them to. And it's not until I go back and I read it and I'm like, oh my God, that's totally um, like a similar, like a metaphor for something that happened in my life. So it's, it's weird. It's a weird form of therapy, but it definitely helps me. And when I'm feeling super emotional, um, it helps to get words out on a page. So. Wow. Well, okay. So, okay. So obviously I read Blood Lily and you said that, you know, it's reflection, like you just said about, you know, some of the scenes reflection of some parts of your life. I do want to talk about one scene. It was like a pivotal moment for me and guys, like this isn't like a full spoiler. Okay. Because like <laughs> definitely pick up the book, but the most amazing, one of the most amazing scenes was Spencer. So, you know, Lily's cousin, when Lily was like um, being chased by Spencer, when she like left the lab, I believe. And then she was going up the hill and I just love, I don't know. Well, this is a creepy, cool podcast. So I love the savagery, the, the savagery, the savageness that you incorporated into the scene because it really made me, I felt like I was right there with Lily. Like I was fighting for my life. And when she was being chased and tormented by Spencer in a way where it was like she was being hunted. And that was the point for me where Lily, guys, Lily is a badass in herself. Like she's a vampire forensics investigator. And she like goes on these cases to try to like cover up what happened. And even though she's a vampire, but it's still pretty cool. And that scene where like she escaped and Spencer was still like hunting her. It was like, not it was like a 
brutal scene in the sense like Lily got hurt so much, but at the same time, it was where she realized her strength even more so, even though she is a vampire, but it's like, wow, she can like, I felt like Lily was like, wow, I really got through this. I survived. I'm making it out of there and I'm telling everyone what just happened. So like describe to me in terms of like how you wrote that scene. Was it, I hope it wasn't based off of a real life experience, but like it was such a great scene in the book that I reread it three times because I was just like, oh my God, like it literally guys, it literally reads like a movie, but this scene was so pivotal for me. So if you can elaborate on that, that would be great. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, um, I've, I've never been ran off the road and beaten to death. So, um, <laughs> yay. Um, but I wanted it to be that moment, that moment that you, she finally realizes that she's capable of, um, protecting herself because i mean although she's a vampire my vampires are very normal and they don't have like super strength or um extremely have fast healing or any of that stuff so she's just basically slightly more than human maybe like a professional athlete level type of thing um so she spent her life investigating crime scenes like she's used to looking at the aftermath of what has happened not dealing with the actual violence so when things start happening in Blood Lily, she's really kind of thrown off and doesn't know how to react and doesn't feel strong and feels incredibly weak. Um, but that's that moment that she, she had to fight for herself because no one else was there to do it. Like, she had to do it. Um, I was super focused on making it as realistic as possible. So um, a friend of mine that I worked with actually was in a truck accident um, that happened exactly like I described it in the book. And I asked her to talk me through everything that happened. What were your injuries? Like I'm very insensitive oh in some ways, wow. but um, I wanted it to be realistic and I have not been in many car accidents. So nothing like that. So. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That that's amazing. Um, and Lily, like she's a badass, like ultimate badass and like her badassness. I don't even know if that's a word gets even like cooler. Okay. Gets even cooler <laughs> as you progress throughout the book. Like obviously, you know, her love interest chance, who is like so hot. Like, I'm just like, Oh my God, so lucky to, I'm not going to say anything else guys, like pick up the book and read it. But like, it is just so great how you interrupt their love story. But at the same time, they're like fighting for their lives. So yeah. is chance, you know, an inspiration from some, your husband, old boyfriend, like, you know, or actor or dream, dreamboat, whatever. Like, is he an inspiration from someone that you can share? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I started writing the books before I met my husband. So I can't really say he's the inspiration. Although in books two and three, and sometimes in book one, because I did go back and re-edit the whole thing. Um, uh, two years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, there are moments that are definitely my husband type moments. Okay. But um, it sounds weird. <laughs> no. But Chance is really the embodiment of my own protective and romantic side. Oh. Like wow. me as a person, I'm pretty much Chance and Lilith if you put them together. <laughs> oh, wow. 
that's so awesome. Wow. I am very artistic, but I'm also very scientific and logical um, and don't think like some women. I mean, my husband is upset all the time that I don't yell at him enough. And I'm like, why should I? You're a grown adult. Like, you make your own choices. Um, so I am very much like Lilith when it comes to things like that. But I do have this deep romantic side that, you know, is embodied in chance. Um, when I originally started writing the books, though, uh, me and a friend were very into uh, True Blood. Yes, yes. And um, I would be lying if I said Alcide Hervo was not part of an inspiration when it comes to chance. Not so much in the face, but everything else. <laughs> the same height. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. So were you like Sookie Stackhouse or were you um, the characters? Like, True Blood was like the best vampire series show ever oh, yeah. like i was so hooked on it like the werewolves like the shapeshifters like pretty amazing pretty amazing yeah it made me go back and read all the books and i honestly especially after the third season i really loved the books more personally but the first three seasons were brilliant and i will tell you that uh detective andrew cohen is 100 percent based on eric erica northman from true blood like yeah. i visioned alexander skarsgård playing his part like yeah. i really do if he was a little shorter oh my god well let's put that i'm glad you're putting that out into the universe uh because yeah like cohen oh my god like he sound like from reading the books, like he seems like, whoa, so sexy when you, but it's like, there's this mysterious side to him. And then as you're a reader, I'm not obviously not going to spoil it, but it's like, you start to see who he really is. And it was just mm -hmm. like, holy crap. I knew there was something about you, but like, yeah, hard. like that's pretty crazy. Um, oh, especially book two, because book two is basically Cohen's book. I mean, Lilith has to deal with a lot of uh, extreme moments in book two, but um, a good amount of the storyline has to do with Cohen. Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Um, so, you know, your book, like, it's like a treasure trove of, like, scariness and then, like, you know, love story and then, like, mystery. It reminded me of, like, gosh, it was just a mixture of everything. It reminded me of, like either Buffy the Vampire Slayer slash Dark Angel versus like the underworld meets national treasure. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> the mysteriousness of it. And so are there any secrets in like your first book that gets answered in the second book or third book? Or is there anything like that you hide that like the average person or you can give a little hint to someone who's going to pick up your book after hearing about this interview? <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> um, there are elements sprinkled throughout books one and two that definitely come into play in book three, um, leading into book four, which is when I think I, the series will end. Um, I'm not 100% on it yet, but um, maybe like 75% sure that book four will be the last book in that series. Um, but if I wanted to give a little hint without giving too much away, um, I'd say if you're going to read book three, which I'm close to finishing the rough draft on, um, you should pay particular attention to the very first scene in Blood Lily. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, I can't wait. And then just remind. So obviously um, it's Blood Lily um, and then remind everyone the other two books as well. Yep, so Blood Lily is book one. Um, it does end in a cliffhanger because I mm -hmm. am evil. But 
<laughs> it goes right into book two. Um, totally book evil two. In, in pages, guys, in writing. Oh, yeah. In person, yeah. he's a sweet person. <laughs> really, I have to remind my patients because they find out I write these books and they're just like, oh. I'm like, no, 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 I'm evil to fictional characters so I can be super nice to you. <laughs> um, but book two is Rose of Jericho. Um, it's a very fast-paced book. I had a, one reviewer tell me that... Um, she kept expecting it to pause where the the um, I got patience on my brain. She kept expecting for the book to pause where the characters would sit back and reflect and like maybe then something new would happen. And she's like, that moment never happened. It just kept going and going. And it was amazing. It was like watching this incredible show that just wouldn't end. Like it was just action all the time. Wow. And I'm like, yay. That's <laughs> kind of what's going for. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and then book three that I'm writing right now is um, The Lotus Tree. Yeah. And i um, super excited about this one because I do use a few new techniques, a little different um, narration in that third book, um, a lot of plot in that third book. Um, it's not as fast-paced as Rose of Jericho, so you do kind of like, okay. you know, get a break because it happens eight months later. Um, so you get to sit back and see what their lives are like now. Um, and I will tell you, Lilith is real messed up. Oh, no. But messed up in a good way or messed up in, like, I'm a bad No, no she's just messed up. But, oh. you know, her and Chance are still together. I will, oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you that, though. Oh, good. I was going to ask that. I was like, oh, my God, did Chance die? And I was like, no. Okay, good. They're still together. As of right now, Chance is still alive. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's amazing. So, like, you know, with, your, with the writing and then, like, I definitely want to get into uh, your vampire hunting kit and all the other artistry that you make, like, like, obviously, you say you don't sleep, but you are human. You're not a vampire, Jenny. So, like, no. you do sleep. But, like, like what is, like, your artistic process in terms of, like, creating a vampire kit? So, I've worked with a lot of paranormal romance authors. None of them told me that they created a vampire hunting kit. And, like, <laughs> other – I just want you to talk about that and, like, the other, like, creative um, items that you make that are just amazing. Oh, yeah. So – one of my favorite horror movies and one of the first movies that I ever saw was, um, well, the horror movies that I ever saw was Fright Night. Yes! And yes. Peter Vincent yes. was so awesome, and I loved his vampire hunting kit. It was just the coolest thing in the world to me. Yes. And I've always wanted one, but they're, like, extremely expensive mm -hmm. um, on Etsy, like five $600. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I was walking through Hobby Lobby, like, getting supplies for other millions of crafts that I do. Mm -hmm. And um, they had 50% off on these cool boxes. And I was like, oh, I should make a little vampire hunting kit. That would be cool. So I made one. Well, I bought two. And I made two that were identical. And before I even put it up on my site, I had someone buy it. It's gone. Oh, <laughs> it's $150 oh gone. Oh, God. Um, so I was like, oh, well, I'll make more, which is what I've done. And now I've gotten into making little witch kits and stuff, too. Um, I have an event on Saturday. I'm going to um, downtown York. Mm -hmm. um, and it's hosted by a place called The Dark Parlor. Oh. And they do a lot of, like, supernatural and witchcrafty things and things like that. So I've made some special little protection spell kits and stuff to take there. It's be pretty neat. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And everyone can, like, if every, anyone's interested in buying it, they can go to your website to, like, purchase it. Correct? Yes. I am working on a new website. Um, the store is taking forever. But I will eventually have everything up yeah. there. 
just email her guys just email her and she'll get it to you like that is amazing because every girl or guy can use a vampire hunting kit Mm -hmm. Um, that is amazing and then what other because i know you create these like cool i love the one trying to pull it up like one about reading like um you have all these cute phrases that you create like a wood board um i think that is so cool like it's a great mother's day gift like great father's day gift everything so guys definitely check out her store it's amazing thank you yeah i love the word burning it's a lot of fun and it's all free hands i don't use any lasers or stencils so each piece is unique so how many first of all how many hours does it take you to create a vampire hunting kit um Mm, depends on the size um, of course but um for like the my most popular one which is actually a fairly largest size um, that one runs around 300, okay. um, but it does take me, it took me maybe 12 or 14 hours just straight of, of um, to make it, because I handcraft a lot of the items, like the steaks are hand-carved, um, I stain them, I lacquer them, um, some of them have like cast iron doorknobs on the handle, which are pretty cool. The other ones are like leather wrapped with like, you know, little studs in them. <laughs> um, and then I fill all the bottles, like the ones that have elder fangs, which is pretty cool, like oh. little vampire fangs. I hand sculpt those out of air dry clay and paint them as they're drying so they get that oh. translucent look. Oh. They're cool. So I have a lot of like real crafty things into it too, not yeah. just stuffed it in there. Oh my God, that is amazing. Wow, wow. Um, another question I, I wanted to ask you is um, what is, since this is the Creepy Cool podcast, what is the most creepiest thing that has ever happened to you? The creepiest thing. Um, there's been a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, I tend to avoid creepy stuff, which is weird because I write about it all the time. Um, but in, <laughs> when probably when I lived in Hawaii, um, there's a place called Morgan's Corner, and it's a very, very famous haunted place um, that my friends wanted to go to constantly. Um, so my, my best friend had a Jeep at the time, so we, we rode out to Morgan's Corner in the night, because that makes sense. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they all got out, and I was like... <laughs> Nope, I am staying right here. I will sit in the Jeep. You guys have fun. And um, they got like a quarter of the way up the paved path, by the way. It's paved, even path. Quarter of the way, one of the kids like slips and like sprains his ankle. So they all came back. And then the next night, they're like, we're going to do it for real. We got to get to the steps because the whole thing is like you go up the steps and it's 12. You go down the steps and it's 13. Like they wanted to do it. Oh my God. And this is the night. So this is the next day at night. Okay. Next day at night, still in the Jeep because you guys can have fun. I want no part of it. And the same thing, like a quarter of the way, almost the exact same spot. This kid, another kid, like twists his ankle and they have to all turn back. And so the third night, they asked me if I want to go. And I'm like, no, what? No, I have no desire to do that because things are real and they're creepy and I don't want to play with them. Oh my God. That is scary. My uh, best, yeah, in Hawaii. A lot of weird stuff in Hawaii. Florida, too. Florida had some really creepy places. Um, Some of them wouldn't seem creepy in the daytime. Like, I was a newspaper delivery person for a while. And um, there was this one um, 
condo place and it had like four or five different courts full of condos and each one looked identical like there was really no difference between them but there was this one place this one condo in um in one of the courts that every time i got there i just could not get out of my car like this person wanted me to stand up like get out of my car and walk and put the paper on their doorstep and the first time that I did that, like, I felt like something was chasing me and, like, oh. about to grab me. And it was only in that one place every single time I went there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Real creepy. Don't like it. So uh, my brother, my, I call him my brother. He's my best friend, uh, Jason. I've known since I was 16. Oh. He likes to play with ghosts and piss them off because he thinks it's funny. <laughs> So that's probably where part of it comes from is that I don't like to play with ghosts. I will leave them alone and be respectful. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh my gosh. So then, wow. So you just shared with us like two creepy things that happened in your life. I know you said there was a whole bunch, but like now it's like, I don't want to know because I want to sleep at night. But like, So what was the coolest thing in your life that's happened to you? Um, well, I mean, if you take out like the, you know, getting married and having kids, you know, um, <laughs> recently I was, uh, it was not, I think it was last, last year. Um, I was at creature feature weekend in Gettysburg, which is a fantastic show. So if you're anywhere near it, you should definitely go. Um, so they had a special guest there, Tom Savini who is a huge artistic idol of mine. Like I look up to the man, he does fantastic artistic work. Like I was head over heels happy to be there in the same space. So I went up and I got his autograph and I was all nerd girl about like, oh my gosh, you're my artistic hero and you're so awesome. And oh my God, I always wanted to go to your school. I just can't afford it. Um, and then at the, after he saw my picture, I was like, and here's my card. You should come see my booth. Oh, my God. And um, surprisingly, on the Sunday, he actually came directly to my booth to check out all my stuff. And he took his time. He looked at all my little creepy haunted houses that I've um, that were originally Christmas houses that I rehab. He looked at my little sculptures. He looked at um, my my art print book all my wood burning. And then he looked at me and he's like, you do amazing work. I, I, I could have just died right there. Oh I'd be happy. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, you know, speaking, you just named two creepy things and one cool thing. What is the creepiest scene? Uh, we can talk about blood uh, and blood Lily that you wrote. Um, and that is like your favorite. Mm, in Blood Lily specifically. Mm -hmm. so I've, I've got Lily Street in my head right now. Uh, um, in Blood Lily, I'd have to say it is the scene in Goditha when um, Chance shoots Ashcroft and his head starts to grow back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. <That's> pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I like the fact I, I used a lot of. Uh, senses not just vision for that one i wanted those sounds to like kind of creep into your head and stuff so yeah <laughs> oh, oh my gosh guys i hope you're either listening to this well no if you're listening to this at nighttime totally fine because this interview is just so amazing so amazing and then like what is um 
I guess, well, that is pretty cool. So uh, is there like another cool and creepy scene that you can share as well? Mm, I'm bubbling. I would say the coolest one for me was when Chance and Lily finally got together because the tension <laughs> was so high. I was like, finally. I know, the poor Chance. Like, I totally gave him blue balls through the whole Right, movie. right. It's like, oh my God. It was Chance, so mean. Oh yeah, but he did turn Lily's advances down like one or two times a bit. So, he did. You know, he's like, I have a job. It was his own <laughs> fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I would blame um, him mostly. Yeah. <laughs> I actually had someone ask me about that. She's like, so let me get this straight. Like, they're at this scene where there's a huge fire and stuff, and they just go in this alley and then just do it. Like, that seems so out of character. I was like, that's the point. It's supposed to be out of character. Like, it's supposed to be that, like, you realize that um, the effects that she has from that blood, like, make her do things she wouldn't normally do you know yeah. and it was important in that moment that it has to be something that like she's not sure if it was what she wanted or what happened right yeah you know? right so um and so it was yeah it's like it had to be at that point in time yeah. so it does make sense i promise <laughs> <laughs> no no it was it was amazing um oh is there one thing i wanted to ask you is like how did you select the names of your characters Wow. Um, which is yeah like it's pretty incredible and i mean like even the security guard character like how did you select like the names there's a really funny story behind that one <laughs> so i just it came to me you know okay. it's you know security officer richard coffee <laughs> and um the funny part is my husband when he found out about that name and who i named it after because I named it, I, I created that character after a particular actor that I would have loved to see play it, who's Michael Clark Duncan. Right. And then he's like, you realize that that same actor played a character named Coffee before. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, the Green Miles? Like, I've never seen that. He's like, what? Yeah. So we had to watch it. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Completely by accident. Wow. Um, but Lilith has always been... Um, has been predetermined in a way because uh, the original story of Bubbly was um, based on a vampire role playing game I played when I was younger. What? When I was 20. <laughs> yeah. And her name was Lilith. And um, it was, I actually have the original draft of the book that I wrote, which was called Lilith in London. And it's 452 handwritten pages. Wow. I still have it. And it's way different like the, literally the only things that are the same is Lilith her name uh Chance his first name and the fact that she's looking for her uncle that's pretty much it like wow. Chance wasn't even a vampire he was uh he was a shapeshifter like an Anubis shapeshifter Egyptian <laughs> wow yeah it was very pretty different hot pretty hot <laughs> I've, I've toyed with like having paying someone to type it up and editing it and releasing it under a pen name oh my gosh <laughs> just change some of the names but you know um so her name was always predetermined um i always loved the name chance but uh the Devereux part came later when i started okay. really writing bloodily um gregor's name um i i've researched scottish names i won't lie like that's where Duncan and and um, Mariah's last name and stuff like that mm -hmm. came from. Uh, Mariah is a funny one because <laughs> I had a coworker. Same one with the truck, by the way, the truck accident oh, okay. coworker. 
So she begged me all the time, like, can you please put me in your book? I want to be in your book. Put me in your book. And she was, I love her to pieces, but she was overly happy all the time. And I found it annoying. So I was like, fine, I'll put you in my book. She was not happy with the result. <laughs> but I did like her pick the name of her husband in the book. So she chose Malachi and that was, that was her choice. Wow. So, um, for like little tiny bit characters and stuff yeah. that aren't going to live or last past one scene. Um, I actually go on my Facebook and I choose yeah. a first name from my list and I choose a last name from my list of friends and I put them in the book. <laughs> oh my gosh, guys. So like Jenny's Facebook page because your name could be in the book. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That is And amazing. I do run contests once in a while where I'll have like, you know, the winner gets named in my book. Um, there's one in book two, uh, Yvonne Griffin, who is the eyewitness on the news story in book two. And she is a coworker that begged and begged and begged for me to put her in her in my book. So she had way too much personality to refuse. So I had to use it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I I started with art when I was real young. Um, I drew all the time, but my writing didn't start until high school. Um, in high school, I had uh, two best friends, um, Jennifer and Brian, and we we're like the Three Musketeers. We hung out all the time all the time. Um, and I thought we knew everything about each other. <laughs> Javana later was not the case. But um, so me and Jennifer went to homecoming. Brian said he didn't want to go. Um, and we found out the next day that during homecoming, he had hung himself. Oh, my God. And it hit me real hard. Um, I blamed myself a lot for not knowing what was going on and because i thought maybe if i had made more of an effort to bring him to homecoming maybe he wouldn't have done that um so it was a lot of guilt that i dealt with um it turned into night terrors and stuff that i had for a long long time um and when i started really writing especially blood lily um that's when the night terrors stopped and then the nightmares were there still, but they got less and less and less. And it's like I took that need um, for that story out of my head and put it onto paper. Because um, all my nightmares revolved around me trying to save a group of people. And I would fail and die. And so would everyone else. And they were very vivid. So I just put that on paper and made that something separate from myself. And now I don't have those nightmares anymore. And I've been able to like come to really come to grips with it and realize that, you know, you can't save people that don't want to be saved Wow! and you can't hold that against yourself. That so. is so powerful. And I love how you just took that dark aspect of your life and you transformed into something very creative because, you know, it's sad to say, you know, a lot of people would have turned to other darker matters that wouldn't be healthy. And you took a healthy route to this and, you're a fabulous author and like everyone loves your books and more people would love reading your books. Um, you know, as you progress in your writing career, it's like pretty incredible. That is, and, and it's inspiring too, because mental yeah. health is such a big issue affecting everyone of all ages today. And like the fact that you took this, like, again, this dark piece of your life and transformed into a book that like everyone loves and got fabulous reviews on Goodreads and other review sites. It's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Thank you. It's a big focus. Um, I do try to put a lot of the mental health aspects into the book because of that. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's why Lilith has nightmares and night terrors and stuff because you know that's that's my part. And um, when she has survivor's guilt towards the end and into book two and book three, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean that's that's a big part of it too. So I really wanted to feature those problems um, so that hopefully someone reading it won't feel alone and be able to identify with those issues. So yeah, oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Well, this concludes our interview. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Or this was super fun. This is yeah. such a cool <laughs> interview. Like, so amazing. You have to be back again. And um, if All right. So I'm Jenny Allen, author of the Little Adams series. Um, right now I have book one, Blood Lily, out for sale, as well as book two, Rose of Jericho. Um, I'm hoping to have book three, The Lotus Tree. Uh, released hopefully later this year. So stay tuned. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. Um, again, this is the Looks Creepy Cool podcast. I want to thank my fabulous and coolest guest, Jenny Allen. Um, feel free to buy her books and read it. I'm telling you, if you need an escape, you will be on the edge of your seat um, from as soon as you turn the page. It is absolutely amazing. Jenny, thank you so much for coming on today. I'm super excited. And I look forward to having you again to talk about Lotus Tree when your other book out. Can't wait. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Awesome. Take care, everyone. Bye.